Father, we step into your presence now, so thankful for the opportunity on this day to hear from you. And this is why we gather, this is why we meet, so that you can speak truth into our hearts and energize us and inspire us to go out for another few days and live for you and do our best to honor you and point people to you. So God, I pray that as we now look to your word, that you would use it to help shape us into the image of your beloved son. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. My parents started attending church after they were invited by friends when I was six or seven years of age. We lived in the Chicago suburbs, and so we started attending a life-giving community of faith in Oswego, Illinois. I call it a life-giving community because that's what I remember as a child. This church was filled with people who were happy, and I remember that. I can recall that people wanted to be a part of this church. It was really interesting. I know my parents wanted to be a part of it, and so we were there. Because my mom and dad were there, I was there along with my older sister, Kim. And we enjoyed it. We really did. I had a front row seat to watching my parents' lives change dramatically. They both trusted in Jesus alone to rescue them, and they talked freely about that. And I remember how amazing that time frame was. They both embraced the leadership that God offers through the person of Christ. In time, my sister and I made the same choice and our family changed because now everything we did was centered on this community of faith. I look back on that period of time and I have come to understand that we were better together as a family because we were in a better together kind of church. And it was imperfect and messy, but we were learning quite a bit as a family new to faith. And I look back on that time with fond memories. Some of my favorite conversations are with people who say, you know what, I love Sunday. It's my favorite day of the week or one of my favorite days of the week because it's when we get together as a church. And I can connect with that because it takes me back to the experience of my parents and how much we started to love Sundays. Sunday is my favorite day of the week because it's when the body of Christ gathers and we give ourselves or we devote ourselves to worship and prayer and the teachings of what we find in scripture, all of which prepares us to live out the story of Jesus and apprentice with him in dynamic ways and growing and maturing followers of Jesus give themselves to this. And there is beauty and hope 
and joy found in doing this every seven days. Maybe you're like me, and you would say Sunday is one of my favorite days of the week. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here. And I would encourage you to keep opening your life and your heart to Jesus because he does have something for you. Maybe you're here, though, or you're watching, and you would say, this is not my favorite day of the week, and church is not my favorite event for a variety of reasons. I'm glad you're here as well. And I would encourage you, keep opening your life and your heart to Jesus, because I think he has something for you as well. For the past seven weeks, we have been walking through a theme called Better Together. And what we have discovered is that a better together kind of faith community does a few things. Like they care for each other. They genuinely care for each other. It's not fake. It's real and you can feel it. You can experience it. A better together kind of faith community also loves the irritating people around them. And we talked about how we all have irritating people around us, but a faith community that's seeking to apprentice with Jesus loves the irritants. A better together kind of community of faith generously shares and provides for one another. They forgive And that's a really hard thing to do. They actually lift the load from others. That's what forgiveness means. A better together kind of community of faith also celebrates. They worship and respond to the greatness of God. So this is what we have been thinking about and considering for several weeks now. A better together kind of community. They care. They love the irritants, they forgive, they generously share and provide, they celebrate and respond to the greatness of God and they do all of these things together. And when this happens, we truly are a better together kind of faith community and we grow and mature as apprentices or those who are learning under Jesus. Good things happen, they do. Today, I want to consider how a better together kind of church rallies around a God-honoring purpose. So we care about each other. We love the irritants. We forgive. We generously share and provide. We celebrate. But a better together kind of faith community also rallies. They come together around a God-honoring purpose. And what is that purpose? Well, I believe it's found in our big idea, so here it is. Apprenticing with Jesus means that we will become his hands, feet, and eyes as we purposely live for him. So apprenticing with Jesus, we've been thinking about this, learning under him, doing what he did, following him. Well, apprentices of Jesus, they become the hands and the feet and the eyes of Jesus as they purposely live for him. I want to think about this today. 
a better together kind of faith community. It just rallies around a God-honoring purpose, like those who are apprenticing with Jesus, being his hands, feet, and eyes. Okay, to accomplish all of this today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about Teresa of Avila. She was a Spanish reformer, and she has something to say about being the hands, the feet, and the eyes of Jesus. And we'll get to that in just a moment. After thinking about Teresa of Avila, I want to dive into Romans chapter 15. And we're going to unpack several verses there. Now that chapter should be familiar to many of you because Romans 15, 5, and 6, those are our church-wide life verses. And we have been working at memorizing them. If you haven't done that yet, we're going to work at it a little bit more today. But in addition to verses 5 and 6, I want to look at the first four verses of that chapter because they provide some richness in helping us to understand understanding verses 5 and 6, which help us think about being better together. So we're going to dive into this great chapter and look at those first four verses as well as verses 5 and 6. And then after that, I will share some helpful takeaways. Does that make sense? Great. Teresa of Avila. And again, she has something to say to us, even though she lived a long time ago. And then Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. And then we'll get into our helpful takeaways. Let's begin with Teresa of Avila. She's a real person who lived from 1515 to 1582. She is considered a Spanish reformer and a saint, and at 20, she entered the monastery there in Avila, Spain. She began to study, and she began to learn. At age 40, she began to write, and she wrote all kinds of different things. A lot of what she has written has now become known as classic Christian literature that focuses on spiritual disciplines. Well, one of the poems that Teresa of Avila wrote is called Christ Has No Body, No Physical Body. Christ Has No Physical Body, and it says this, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours, Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Think about that because it's incredible. For those who apprentice with Jesus, for those who have trusted in him, yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth, but yours. Christ has no body on earth, but yours. I think this is really profound and captures what apprenticing with Jesus should be. Right? Jesus is no longer here on earth. He has no body physically on earth, 
But those who have trusted in him, those who are following him, now become his hands and his feet and his eyes. Apprentices of Jesus, those who have trusted in him, are his hands and his feet and his eyes. I share this with all of us because we have a dream as a church to be a life-saving station. We believe God has called us to do that because there are so many people who still need to discover the hope and the love that God provides through Christ. And he now uses us. We get to be a part of building that life-saving station by being his hands and his feet and his eyes. And one of the ways we do that is what we find in Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. May God help you live in complete harmony with each other. As is fitting, this is appropriate for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how is it that we become the hands and the feet and the eyes of Jesus? It is actually seen in how we care for each other. Now, we've worked at memorizing this. Let's see how we are all doing. Will you stand with me? And let's say this together. It'll still be on the screen, so you can cheat if you need to. Here we go, Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. May God help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. May God help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Great job. You may be seated. It is really helpful when studying Scripture to understand context. So when looking at verses, what is said before what you may have just read? And what follows? When we look at context, which we really have to do when studying scripture, because it fills things out for us and it brings richness to what the author is trying to communicate. So today we want to look at a little more context in Romans chapter 15. What follows verses 5 and 6? We're not going to look at that today. We'll save that for another Sunday. What I do want to accomplish today is kind of roll back up into chapter 15 and look at the first four verses because they say some amazing things that help us to understand why verses 5 and 6 are there and why we are called to be the hands, feet, and eyes of Jesus by being unified together. So with your copy of the scripture, please open that to Romans chapter 15. Here's what verse 1 says. We who are strong. Now, I want to pause there because this is talking about those who are morally strong. This isn't dealing with physical strength. It's about moral strength, moral integrity. So we who are 
morally strong, must be considerate. Do you see that word considerate there? Shake your head a little bit so I know you're still with me. Great. That word comes from the Greek word batstadzo, which means to take up or to carry or to bear. So think about this now because it's really interesting. We who are morally strong, bastadzo, take up, carry, bear. And you have to ask the question, well, what is it that we are supposed to take up or carry or bear? Well, it's played out in the rest of the verse. For those who are morally strong, bastadzo, take up, carry, or bear those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. And that's a key phrase here. So if you like to highlight and underline, I would encourage you to look at that phrase and grab it. We must not just please ourselves. We'll come back to that. What is the Apostle Paul referring to here? He's the writer of this. We must take up, carry, bear those who are sensitive about things like this. What is he talking about here? Well, if you roll back into chapter 14, again, more context, you will discover that Paul is encouraging apprentices to be careful with their behavior around others and do not unnecessarily offend them or hurt them so that their growth in Christ is stunted in some way. So for those of you who are morally strong, bear up with those who are a little sensitive because, well, we must not just please ourselves. This is a great challenge. Verse two, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. Another great line here. Like here's the example for us. Even Jesus didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. And this is taken from Psalm 69, verse 9. Keep in mind, when the apostle Paul quoted scripture, he wasn't able to quote the New Testament because it wasn't complete at this time. So when he referred to scripture, he would have been looking back at what the Old Testament said about God and what do we need to know about him. And there were probably many in the crowd who would have understood that. Oh yeah, that sounds like something from the Psalms, right? Verse four, such things like Psalm 69 verse nine and everything else contained in the Old Testament scriptures were written long ago to teach us And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. It's interesting here because ancient writers commonly used virtuous examples in order to help people understand. And that's exactly what the writer, the apostle Paul, does here. He uses a virtuous example Example, and when people would have wanted to debate with him about what he said, they may have wanted to state to Paul, 
you know, I don't think I want to agree with what you're saying, but you provided a virtuous example, so the argument is out. I can't do anything with that. The example is strong. (laughs) Well, what the Apostle Paul does here is masterful. It's just brilliant. Because he lifts up the virtuous example of Jesus himself. Saying, oh yeah, do what he did. And I want to lift him up because he is someone who did not live for himself. That's exactly what verse 3 tells us. Even Christ didn't live to please himself. And so all arguments would have ceased at that point because there is no greater virtuous example than Jesus himself. And so that's what Paul does here. And he points to that as the way or the example. Question, for the believer, for those who have trusted in Jesus alone, we are called to apprentice under Jesus, right? We're called to do that, to follow him and learn from him and do what he did. That is our calling. So that means we should follow his example and not live for ourselves, right? Others first. Others first. Others first. And while this might seem like a very simple thing, this is so deeply embedded in the life of Christ and what he passed on to his followers that we have to grasp this. We have to understand this. And as apprentices, we have to live it out as well. And Paul then provides this wonderful example. You want to not just live for yourself? You want to be the hands and feet and eyes of Jesus? Then think about your fellow Christian brothers and sisters. And may God help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. And all of you, all of you, can join together with one voice, giving doxadzo, that's the word there, giving praise and glory, rendering him glorious. That's what we have the opportunity to do. These verses call us to live in harmony with each other, to be of one mind, which has the idea of unity in love for each other. So tuck that away in your mind. We're talking about living in harmony or being in unity in love toward one another because guess what? We're not always going to agree, right? We know that to be true. This isn't saying we all have to agree on everything. It's saying there must be unity in love within the body of Christ. And when we agree, well, that's probably an easy thing to have. But even when we disagree, there still should be unity in the body, in terms of loving each other. And when that happens, we truly will be better together. And there will be a bunch of little Jesus apprentices running around living in harmony together. And that's great. It's great. Confession time. Here are some things I ponder as I consider our faith community living in unity together and being better together this way. Here's some things that I ponder. Number one, what problem 
do we solve as a faith community? Have you ever considered that? What problem does our organization solve? Number two, if we didn't exist, would anyone outside of Valley Point know? <laughs> like, what happened to that church? Where did they go? They're just gone. If we didn't exist, would anybody actually know that and be concerned about that? And then number three, are we a safe place for people to not hide from God? Are we a safe place for people to come and question and doubt the claims of Jesus? Are we a safe place for people to not hide from God? Tragic story. The human instinct is to run from God. Just to run and hide. And we see this right away in the opening book of the Bible. And when you walk through the Old Testament and the New Testament, you find person after person after person who is running from God and hiding. The human instinct, I believe, is to run and hide from God. And I think that happens within the church, especially when there's not unity in the body. And the church often feels safe when we're okay. When life is great, the church is a safe place. But what about when you experience relationship stress or even a breakdown of a relationship in some way that's just devastating for you? Is the church still safe then? Or do we feel like we have to run and hide because there's not graciousness and unity in the body? What about when an addiction surfaces? Is the church still safe then? What about when an aspect of my sexuality becomes too painful to hide? Or what about when I just can't sing the songs? Like I can't do that because that's not my experience with God and those words aren't true for me. Maybe they're true for other people and they're singing it and enjoying it, but I just can't sing these things. Is the church still a safe place. And sometimes I wonder because we often feel like we have to hide because the people of God may not be gracious in these moments. And we should. We should. Well, I would like to answer these thoughts in the affirmative. I'm not naive enough to think that we don't have room to improve as a community of faith. So let's do that, okay? Let's improve. Let's get better because back to the big idea. Apprenticing with Jesus means that we will become his hands and feet and eyes as we purposely live for him. This is the God-honoring purpose that God has called us to, that Teresa of Avila spoke about a long time ago, that is still a calling today, and it's something that God wants for us, and we have the opportunity to live this out, and God is willing to help us live in complete harmony with each other, even when we disagree. This is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus, so this is how we have the opportunity to doxazo, to render God 
glorious and everybody gets in on that. Some takeaways for us. Number one, if you have never trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, if you've never taken that step, and as you hear us talking about apprenticing with Jesus and following him, maybe there's some things there that are starting to make sense, but maybe you've never taken that step before, but you're here, I would encourage you to trust. Trust in the one who came for you. Trust in the God who offers to you the gift of Jesus and embrace his leadership and forgiveness without adding anything to that because there's nothing we can add. We should come with empty hands and with humility because God has done so much for us. So if you've never trusted in the forgiveness that God offers through the person of Christ, then trust today. I would encourage you to do that. Jesus didn't live just for himself. He came for you for you. The second takeaway is this, pray for seven days, okay? If you are a believer, if you are an apprentice, I want to encourage you to pray for seven days. And maybe you already do that. That's great. I can guarantee 100% of us never pray as much as what we should. So we all have room to grow in this area, and we always will. So let's just commit to praying for seven days. What you will find in the talk notes, and I would encourage you to download them under Sunday resources on our website, is that there's a Monday through Friday reading plan. Accompanying this week's reading plan are prayers for Monday through Friday as well. That center on what we have discussed here in Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. It focuses on being the hands, the feet, and the eyes of Jesus. And there are great prayers for us just to recite and say, okay, God, here I am, and here's what I want to lift up today as I seek to apprentice with you. Now, there's only five. The encouragement here is to pray for seven days. You got to invent a couple of things, okay? And I think you're very capable of doing that, and I want to encourage you to take up this challenge, okay? If you're a believer, pray for seven days and use that material or whatever else you might do. That's perfectly fine, but that guide is there for our benefit. And then the third takeaway is this. Memorize Romans 15, 5, and 6. They are our church-wide life verses, and we need to put them into our hearts. We need to have them in our mind so that we can continually think about rallying around a God-honoring purpose, which is to be his hands and feet and eyes. And one of the ways we can do that is when we have harmony together. So may God help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice to give praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we are so thankful for time today to think about being better together for several weeks now, we've just been considering how a better together community of faith cares for each other, loves the irritants, forgives, generously shares and provides.
celebrates, responds to the greatness of God. But a better together kind of faith community also rallies around a God-honoring purpose. And I think that is so clearly outlined for us in Romans chapter 15. So God, would you help me? And would you help Valley Point to live this? That we would be the kind of place where it's okay to not be okay, but to be surrounded by individuals and certainly a God where mercy triumphs. God, we sang about that today. Mercy triumphs. Your mercy triumphs over judgment. God, I know we can be so quick to judge others and judge ourselves. This is about saying we've been called to rally around a God-honoring purpose. So may we apprentice with Jesus in dynamic ways this week. Help us to think about how a better together kind of faith community, it is the hands and feet and eyes of Jesus. So help us to look out with compassion. Help us to solve problems. Help us to think of others first. Because this is what growing and maturing apprentices do. So help us to live that out this week. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Because maybe you're here and the thought of trusting in Jesus alone is appealing and you get it and you want that. Then I would just encourage you in the quietness of this moment from your heart to God's ears. Tell him that you are a sinner and that you're trusting in Jesus right now alone and his birth, his death, his resurrection. Scripture tells us simply trust, believe. If you believe in Jesus, if you trust, you will have eternal life. So just tell God you're trusting in the work of Jesus alone and then thank him for rescuing you. God won't turn you away. God won't deny you. And you now get to be one of his apprentices, living out the story of Jesus, learning under Jesus, doing what he did. Our great God, thank you for calling us. Thank you for equipping us, giving us the tools we need to live for you and to be your hands and your feet and your eyes giving compassion everywhere we go.
where we live, work, and play. So help us all, Father, as we step out of here in just a moment to recognize harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ is a beautiful thing. And that doesn't mean we're always going to agree, but we have unity in love. And what an example that is. What a light that provides for a dark world. So help us to shine for you. Help us to be better together. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.